Good morning and welcome. It's so good to be here today. And uh, we are in the final stretch of a series that we are calling One Another. And uh, we began this year with this vision to uh, be able to learn as a church how to one another well. Uh, That means taking everything that we're learning, everything that we're studying about this topic of one another that you find all throughout the New Testament, taking all of that that we learn and study and figuring out how to live it out in our daily life. That is how we treat and interact with those around us. And so as a part of it, We've been using these one another challenge cards. I'm just curious, how many of you out there today have picked up a one another challenge card and have done what was said on it? Raise your hand if you've done one, okay? That's awesome. Thank you so much for doing that, all right? Uh, I appreciate that. But um, as a part of the series, if you're, if you're not familiar with what these are, out at our uh, communion tables, we have these cards, and inside are just... Um, little instructions on how to show or how to live out this idea of one anothering with people around you. Things like how to be compassionate to someone or how to pray for someone, uh, how to uh, encourage someone. And so we've been handing these out throughout the series and we've given out uh, a couple thousand of these already, which is awesome between both of our campuses. And, uh, and through it, people have been sharing with us kind of uh, their experience with it. And if you're watching with us online, I'm so glad that you're here today as well. You can find out more about this by going on our website, thewocc.com slash one another. You can get a digital version of the card there and you can uh, let us know about how your experience with one anothering throughout this series has gone. But I just want to share with you, we've been getting this feedback about how people have been living this out. And so uh, this is one example of someone who shared with us their story. It says, I completed several challenges this week. I gave an unexpected gift to my brother. I wrote a card to my grandmother, showed appreciation for guidance to my father, and asked my brother how I could pray for him. It has made me feel so fulfilled. God has blessed me in so many ways, and it made me feel a little uncomfortable at first, but the feeling I got from God after completing several of these makes me just want to do more and more for people I love and for those that are strangers. God has blessed me just this week for challenging myself to complete some of the challenges from the one another challenge. Uh, Isn't that awesome? This person sounds like an overachiever. It sounds like they took several cards and tried to accomplish them all in one week, which you don't have to do, but it's awesome to see that people are living this out. And as we wind down this series next week, there's still time for you to participate. You can still grab one of the cards back at the table. You can still go on the website and, uh, and access, access them there or share with us about how God's been moving in your life as you've been living this out. We'd love to be able to hear that story, but not just that, be able to encourage you and to be praying for you as you do that. Today, uh, we are talking about being compassionate to one another. And this isn't just how we treat people, though. It's about how we see people and ultimately how we see ourselves. Today, our big idea is this. Compassion is a passion for humility. Compassion is a passion for 
for humility. There's been this theme that's been running through this one another series all along. And if you've been with us for every single week of this, maybe you've kind of picked up on it. The theme is that in order for me to one another well, in order for me to live this out well, I have to think about myself less. I mean, all of these are kind of interconnected in the way that that the way that I view myself, the way that I prioritize myself is going to affect how I live this out for other people. Now, don't misunderstand me. Uh, Our call in scripture is not to have a poor self-image, not to loathe yourself because of your mistakes, not to look in the mirror and not love the person you see. No, it is a call to humility. You see, I matter to God, but I'm not all that matters to God, right? And, uh, and so this idea, I can possess self-esteem and strong self-image and still in humility elevate others above myself. When I do that, when I take all the focus off of me and my issues and my problems and my priorities and my desires, when I take all that focus off of me and I begin to funnel it and, and focus it on others, God begins to do something miraculous in my life and in the way that I see others, the way that I can be compassionate to others, the way that I can love others, it, it elevates, it increases. And so today we're going to be looking at a... Uh, And an example of this in Ephesians chapter 4. Now Ephesians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul. And so uh, if you've got your Bible and you want to uh, turn there, uh, I encourage you to do that. Uh, We're in Ephesians chapter 4. But uh, this letter that Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus is uh, is a church that... um, is struggling with a couple things, all right? And so uh, like a lot of letters that Paul would write, this church is struggling for some unity, all right? He also wants to make very clear to them, he, he spent some time in this letter teaching about how Jesus and his death and his resurrection brings about the salvation and the hope that they desperately need, all right, so he's teaching and he's, uh, he's helping bring about unity. He's also encouraging them. You see, Ephesus is a port city. And so that uh, was a major shipping hub in the Mediterranean during Paul's time uh, on earth. And so uh, that meant that this was just this really busy hub. And so there was people coming into this city from all over, all walks of life, all religious backgrounds, uh, all kinds of things going on there. And so as Paul is writing to them, he knows that they're getting influenced from all these other cultures. And he wants to make clear this message of hope from G- about Jesus. He also wants to encourage them and he wants to help uh, set them up well. And so he's going to give them some instructions. And we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 through 32. So uh, if you've got your Bible, I encourage you to turn there. You can use the Bible app if you're going to use that. Uh, but we're going to start with verse 29 and we're going to go through verse 32. It says this. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. 
And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other as in Christ God forgave you. I want to walk through this passage a little bit with you, and uh, we're going to talk about it, about some of the things that we see, and, uh, and, and hopefully that you can learn some things from Paul's words here. First thing I want you to see is Paul instructs them to watch your words, all right? He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That's Ephesians 4, 29. Here, Paul is comparing two different directions that our voice, that our speech can go. With our voice, we can either tear others down or we can build others up. Think about that. Think about the power that you hold simply with your voice. James, the New Testament author, calls the tongue a fire. He says it can set the whole course of one's life on fire. That's the power that we have with our voice. That's the power that we have with our tongue. That we can either build things up or that we can tear things down. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. James chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Let me me ask you, when we're talking about being compassionate to one another, what do your words do? Do they build others up or are they burning others down? And not just our voices either. We know the things that we type, the things that we text, the things that we tweet, the things that we post online in groups. Do your words show compassion to others? What do you say when someone cuts you off on the highway? I mean, even if they can't hear it, what, what, what are the words that come out of your mouth? What do you say when a player on your other team misses uh, a player on your favorite team? What do you say when a player on your favorite team misses a shot, maybe a game-winning shot? Uh, What is your message to them? What do you say when somebody posts something on the internet that you don't agree with? What do you say to a friend or a coworker who's hurting when they come into the office and they share with you that something bad has happened or that they're uh, in desperate need, what do you say for, to your son or your daughter when they come home and, and they didn't get the grade that they wanted or they got cut from a sports team? How do your words build people up or tear people down? Right? This is the instruction from Paul. He says, let nothing unwholesome come out of your mouth. And so as we thinking about as we begin to think about this idea of being compassionate to one another we know that the call is not just with our actions but it's also with our voice and Paul makes that clear. So we're going to watch our words. Second thing we're going to do is we're going to put away bitterness and anger. In Ephesians 4:31 Paul says this get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form 
of malice. The second point in this passage is to let go of all of our negative emotions. We are told to put away all bitterness and wrath and anger and instead holding and instead of holding on to these things that we should choose forgiveness that we should seek to reconcile. Humility, the definition of it is a modest opinion of one's own importance. And let me tell you it's going to take humility for us to release these negative emotions and feelings that we're holding on to. I can be a defensive person. My initial reaction when you come to me and you tell me something that I don't like to hear can be pretty negative. But I've found that if I just give myself 10 minutes, don't respond, don't reply to the email, don't don't say anything, just breathe and think and pray for 10 minutes. If I can just take 10 minutes my response is completely different than my initial feeling. You come and you tell me, hey, hey, I don't like this, or this needs to change, this thing. And my initial reaction will be to burn you down, tell you why you're wrong, tell you why I'm right, right? But if I can take 10 minutes and just step back, revisit your point, my ability to release some of that initial emotion and not direct it at someone is better, right? What do you need to do in your own life to release some of that bitterness, some of that rage, some of that anger, some of that defensiveness? If you've been with us through this series, and I hope that you've been seeing how interconnected all these themes are, today we're talking about compassion specifically, but we're also talking about love and encouragement and forgiveness. You see, as we do this one another series, what I want you to see is that the sum is greater than the individual parts. That that is that we would have this holistic view of one anothering and not just uh, parse it out into, well, I want to focus on being compassionate to one another, forgetting all about loving one another or forgiving one another. No, they're they're all intertwined. It's this idea of one anothering. And that's how it often is throughout the New Testament. When when Paul shares any of these lists or we, we see things in the New Testament, it's all one big, huge message that's being brought to our attention, uh, not these individual things that we're going to focus all of our attention on. The big idea is meant to one another well, and it's far greater than any individual word that we might focus on. So we're gonna watch our words, we're gonna put away our bitterness and anger, and the third thing is we're going to be kind and tender-hearted. Paul says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. The final point of this passage is that we would be kind and compassionate towards others. We're instructed to be kind to one another and tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave us. This means that we should show empathy 
and care for one another, just as God has shown empathy and cared for us, just as God has been compassionate for us. When we consider being compassionate to others, it is all driven. The why is all because Jesus has first and foremost been compassionate to you and to me. Right, that's the driver. The reason that we're going to learn, the reason that we're going to act out, the reason we're gonna do all of this, the reason that we want to one another well is because first and foremost, Jesus set this amazing example for how he treated each and every one of us. And so the Bible will constantly use that as the example. It will constantly use that as the motivation. Forgive each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. When we realize where we've been, right? Compassion, here's what I want you to know. Compassion is a passion for humility, okay? And so that means that, that we don't think too highly of ourselves. When we realize where we've been, when we realize what's been done for us, when we realize that we're not perfect, that when we realize that Jesus had to step in and to, uh, and to take our place, it gives us fresh eyes for those around us. We, we realize in humility that I'm no better than anybody else. I'm no better than the person next to me. And so I'm challenged to elevate them just as Jesus elevated me. Ever notice this thing that happens? We got any big movie fans out there? I'm a, I'm a big movie fan. I, I watch quite a bit uh, uh, movies. And, uh, and so there's this thing that happens, movie magic. Uh, you can be watching a movie and, uh, and there can be hundreds, if not thousands of unnamed, unplot-driven characters that can die in a movie. And you can be relatively unaffected by that, okay? You'd be like, meh. But one carefully crafted character that's been developed throughout the entire thing that you're now attached to, something happens to them and they somehow die in the course of the movie and I'm wrecked, right? I'm sobbing, uh, I'm grabbing tissues. Uh, isn't that interesting how that happens. Well, well what is the difference? What, what is, uh, what's going on there? The writer, the producer, the director, the actor, they've done this excellent job of allowing you to get to know this character. You're connected to them. Maybe you know their family and their background and their history. You know their story. I believe the same thing is true about us. That is, if we truly want to be compassionate to other people, we have to get to know other people. We gotta open our eyes. We gotta see our neighbors. We gotta see our coworkers. We gotta ask about them. We gotta spend time with them. If you know their story, begin to know their family, you begin to know what they're going through, I believe you're going to have more compassion for them. And you're going to begin to live that 
out. In the book of Matthew, Jesus is recorded as seeing this crowd of people in chapter 9 of the gospel. I want you to look with it. Look at it with me. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. It says this, says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said this to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers to his harvest field. When Jesus was confronted with the humanity, when Jesus saw people, opened his eyes and and was made aware of, of what they were going through, it says that he had compassion on them. Let me ask you, how do you see those around you? And how do you see yourself? If you have a view of the world that somehow you are better, that you're smarter, maybe you think that you're always right and other people are always wrong, it's going to be hard for you to show compassion to those around you. Well, what is it that Jesus noticed about them? It says that he knew that they were lost, that they were helpless, that they were harassed. How do you see the broken people around you? How do you view those who are suffering? I just want you to think about some individuals that might be in your life. And I want you to think about what your attitude and your emotion is towards these kinds of people. Keeping in mind that our call is to have compassion. How, how do you view people who are out of work? How do you view people who are a different race? How do you view people who are a different religion? How do you view people who have different values than you do? How do you view people who have different views? Than you do? How do you view people who dress different than you or maybe have tattoos or ear whatever it is, like they have a different style than you? Remember, we can disagree about things. You may not agree with everything that everyone does around you, but it doesn't mean that we're not called to be compassionate to the people around us, to have our heart break for the brokenness that we see around us and want to love one another, want to forgive one another, want to encourage one another, want to be compassionate to one another, right? Maybe in the past you've felt that you judge people Maybe there's certain type of people that just brings out a hate or an anger in you. Do you see these people as God's creation, deeply loved by the Father and worthy of compassion? You know, what does it mean for us to be compassionate to one another? You know, the word compassion is made up of two Latin words. The first three letters, com, 
means with. And the second part of it, pati, P-A-T-I, is Latin for suffer. And so it literally means to suffer with. When, when we think about having compassionate with compassion towards someone, it means that we're going to suffer alongside of them. We see what they're going through. We see what they're dealing with. And, and it's not just that we feel sorry for them. It's not just that we wish that they were better, but it means that we're going to come alongside them and suffer with them. That's what compassion means. So what we're calling you to do as we think about this, as we think about living this out, there's a couple things, two practical things that I want you to think about as we kind of wrap this up. First thing is this, we are called to walk with one another. The idea of with is powerful. It means that you don't just see the person, you don't just feel sorry for the person, but you walk with them. This turns compassion into action. And I believe that that's what Jesus did. It's messy and it's going to take time and it's going to take effort, it's going to take intentionality. That's why it's so hard. That's why it's so hard to practice this thing of humility Because my priorities and my schedule and everything that I want for my day or my week, it might be wrecked if I'm truly going to begin to walk with someone else. And am I willing to do that? So the call of compassion is a call to walk with one another. Second thing is this, I'm going to suffer with one another. Compassion drives you to go shoulder to shoulder and suffer alongside one another, to feel the need and pain and hurt yourself, and to do something to meet those needs. You felt sorry for people before. You've offered to help people before, but have you ever suffered with them? Sit with someone to understand their pain their culture, their race, their struggle, something that maybe you don't understand about them already. Pray with someone to let them know that you're there with them. And and I don't mean pray for someone. Do you hear what I said? I said pray with someone. That we would suffer along with them, advocate for someone, move on their behalf to meet a need that they have. Compassion is a passion for humility. I want to revisit Jesus's words as he looked out on the crowd and he had compassion for them. He saw a great need and he threw out a challenge. He's talking to his disciples and he says this, he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. He's saying there's so much to do out there, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So church, let me ask you, who's going to go? Who's going to begin to live this out in our community, in our schools, and in our workplaces? Who's going to begin to one another the way that Jesus describes in his gospels? Who's going to live this out? You know, all of us were once lost, but it was the compassion of Jesus. 
It's the way that Jesus had a passion for humility and, and, and lessened himself and elevated us that we're here today. We want to transition into a time. I'm going to ask you if you brought your communion supplies. If you didn't get them, they're at the tables in the very back. We've got communion back there. One of the greatest acts of compassion that's ever been lived out is what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me. Jesus walks with us and he suffered for us. And so each and every week when we gather together, we remember Jesus's sacrifice on the cross that happens for you and for me. And so on the night before he went to the cross, he set up this remembrance, this memorial for himself. And so he instructed his followers to take this bread and to remember his body that was gonna be broken for them and to take this juice that is to represent his blood that was gonna be spilled for them. And over 2,000 years later, we gather together and we do the exact same thing. We pause and we take the bread and we take the cup and we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for each and every one of us through humility, showing us all the greatest form of compassion we'll ever know. And so I wanna pray with you and then I'm gonna give you time to take your communion together. I just ask you during this moment to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and for me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the compassion that you showed each and every one of us for the forgiveness that we have through Jesus, God. We are thankful for the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for each and every one of us. God, as we remember Jesus's sacrifice, I pray that we might gain the eyes that Jesus has to be able to see others and to be compassionate towards one another as you're compassionate towards us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.